Hello everyone and welcome to this installment. This is our sixth, fifth, fifth installment of our seven part uh Yeah. I think. Satanic Manic. <laughs> the only reason why I know that is because I was looking at the list yesterday and I was just like, all right. So we're we're doing seven and I'm like, all right, so we've got two more after the uh, the one that we're we yeah. doing tomorrow. So that's that's the only re- reason why I knew exactly how many it was. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm Johnny, by the way. Yeah. For those of you who are weirdly jumping into the middle of the series, also, why are you jumping into the middle of the series? Like, come on, guys. Hey, I do that actually all the time. <laughs> drive me crazy. I, I'm one of those weird people that, like, if I'm listening to a new podcast or something, I have to listen to the entire catalog. No. Like I, I can't just jump in the middle of something. Mm-mm. There's a, uh, there's this one podcast. It's a Pathfinder podcast that I started listening to, and uh, for those of you that don't know, and pod- Pathfinder is a D and D adjacent game. And if you don't know that, then obviously you didn't listen to our D and D and Satanic Panic episode. Yes. What is wrong with you people? <laughs> uh, <laughs> but anyways. Uh, I digress. My brain's not fully functional yet. You're fine. Still. Uh, what were we talking about? That. Uh, yeah, so I'm Johnny. And, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I, I have to listen to the entire catalog. There's one that I jumped into that was like 400 episodes or something ridiculous like that. I'm like, nope, I gotta, I gotta listen to the whole thing. Not gonna happen. Yeah, no, I do that all the time. But I find series that, like, the episodes are standalone, if that makes any sense. So it makes more sense if you read it from the beginning to end. But if you jump in the middle and kind of read around, you're fine. I do that quite often. But I'm the other host. I'm Kelsey. And this episode is mainly going to be me. So we're going to be talking about some major true crime cases that happened during the Satanic Panic. Um, in this episode, we are not going to be talking about satanic ritual abuse. That actually has an episode. That's going to be our very last episode, and we'll go into more of that. These cases that I have found kind of are cases that claim satanic ritual cult type um, killings. Um, we that satanic ritual abuse is that is a can of worms that we are doing all by itself. Um, yeah, because I, woo-hoo. even like the five cases that I found, and there was a lot of cases I found that were quite recent. Um, the one I was actually reading before we started this was like these two boys in Texas wouldn't make a deal with the devil, so they killed this girl in this apartment complex, beat her to death in this abandoned apartment. Apartment. I was. That's a dumb move. Like, well, that was a lot of the articles I was actually finding for this was a lot of like little articles of like little things, or um, articles of where pe- the court system is actually going back to a lot of the people that they convicted for these quote satanic killings, satanic cult killings, and um, reopening yeah. them. And a lot of people are finding out that the people that they convicted didn't do this. They had a witch hunt and they went after the outcast in the society in what, what? Are you serious and um I wanna say <laughs> I closed out the article, but there was an article it might be in Texas again. Um no, the no Memphis figure. the Memphis three. Um, these boy scouts that were killed and like threw into a ditch and they convicted these um three men that were kind of the outcasts. Um, and they're finding out through DNA testing that they did not do it. And the person that was kind of like the main prosecuting, like star witness, um, is mentally not all there. So they kind of preyed upon the, the weak person. Um, and the story that he confessed to just didn't make sense. But a lot of the articles that I found for this was a lot of that stuff. So, it was kind of hard to weed out and find some good ones, but I did find some good ones that we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about five different cases. Before you get into that, how are you? 
I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. Uh, just trying just to functioning, wake up. barely, but functioning. Trying to wake up. Yeah, I mean, I'm awake. It's just, I've got like brain fog. Yeah, I've noticed since I, the couple of times I've had COVID that that shit comes and goes and it's bad. Oh, I, I just have it because it's neurodivergent as fuck and uh, yeah. having to deal with people a lot because of, uh, work. you know, not having headphones at work, but I'm not going to keep complaining about that. <laughs> um, it's okay. It's not going to change anything, so there's no point in complaining about it. But it makes you feel better, though. <laughs> Eh, it just makes me more annoyed that, you know, nothing can get done about it. True. So, yeah. Anyways, how are you? How are things? They're good. Good. Getting to the end of Have you killed all the things yet? Huh? I said, have you killed all the things yet? No. No, my poor plants. They're scary. You'll see. Um, (laughs) But, um, no, getting close to the wedding. We're less than 100 days out. I've got maybe a month and a half left. It's the final countdown. Seriously. I looked at my husband the other day. I was like, babe, we have less than 100 days. Oh, my God. So much to do. Um, But just the end of a chapter. I'm coming close to the end of my first job. I'm quitting sooner than what we planned. But to get everything, kind of prep everything for the wedding, it kind of needs to happen. Um, well, and you know what? You need it too. Yeah. Mentally. It's just like, but like when I go on the couple of times I've been on vacation for my first job and I mainly would work my second job, it's, it's such a breath of fresh air. Cause it's like, I can wake up on my own kind of do a little, um, bike workout before I take a shower, you know, let the dog out, do some things around our house and then go to work and you know, so like, the answer was you. You're the one who let the dog out. I did. He's he's being a butthole right now. He's being so cuddly right now. It's I love him. I love him. All right, you ready to get into these? They're gonna be great. Let's get rocking and rolling. They're gonna be um, so we're gonna be talking about. I'm gonna be talking about five different. Um quote satanic cult killings um and some of them have actually been in the news quite recently um due to like people coming up for parole um i was actually reading an article i was reading a lot of articles before we started doing this um about oh shit what was it i forget what it was called but um i think it's on this list i have but this guy in illinois was actually up the ripper crew um the main guy part of the Ripper group crew um, actually got released from prison a couple of years ago. Um, so that was kind of scary. Um, but the people that were involved in the first one, we're going to talk about the Fall River uh, murders. Uh, she was actually up for a parole hearing not too long ago and got denied parole. Um so the first ones that we're going to talk about are the fall river murders fall river is in massachusetts if i remember right yes um and these are three separate killings that happened they kind of timed together but they can only convict of one um so the first murder that happens is doreen and levesky Um, She was 17 years old. She was from New Bedford. And at the time of her murder, she had just left foster care. So when you reach the age of like 17, 18 in in the American foster care system, you are kicked out. Um, And this was a time before all the programs that are out that kind of help kids adjust. So she didn't really have a fixed address, nothing. Um, So... On the night of her death, she was traveling to Fall River with a fellow sex worker named Gail. Um, At 6 a.m. on October 13th, 1979, her body is found by two joggers at the Dominion Regional Vocational Technical High School. That was one of the longest names for a high school I've read. Um, She was found under the bleachers. She was sexually assaulted and she was bludgeoned to death. 
Um, no one's really ever convicted of her murder. Um, the second murder that happens is um, of a woman named Barbara Raposa. She was a 19-year-old single mother. Um, she was also a fellow sex worker with a history of drug abuse. She was reported missing by her father on November 7th of 1979 because she failed to pick up her son from the babysitter. Um, her body is found several months later on January 26th, 1980 on the outside, on the outskirts of town. Um, now the main reason why Fall River was in the news, maybe a couple months ago, maybe a couple years ago, um, is the murder of 20 year old Karen Marsden. Um, on February 8th, 1980, she's picked up by police. She won't stop crying in the back of the patrol car. Um, the officers who pick her up take her to sites that she claimed satanic rituals occurred. Um, she claims she claimed that her pimp, who she referred to as Satan, would kill her if they ever found out that she was talking to police. She asks police to drop her off in the front of St. Mary's Church so that she could talk to police. Two months later, part of her skull and other remains would be found in the outs in the forest of outside town. Most of her body is actually never recovered. Her death is one of three. The other two that I previously stated are the other um, part that they call um, the satanic cult killings that happened in Fall River, Massachusetts in late 79, early 1980. Um, this town is actually known for the Lizzie Borden murders. So for those who don't know, Lizzie Borden took an axe, gave her father 40 backs. When she saw what she had done, she gave her mother 41. Or maybe it's reversed. Mother and father. Whatever. But. Uh, it's it's reversed. Yeah. So okay. Allegedly, she killed her mother first. Yeah. And then her father. I say allegedly because. It's never really you know, proven. She was. It was never proven. Mm-hmm. So Fall River is most known for the Lizzie Borden axe murders. Um, two locals are convicted of Marsden's murder, Carl Drew, who is her pimp, and Robin Murphy, who is a competitor of Carl's. Uh, Murphy turns state witness and testified how Drew forced her to participate in sacrificing um, Marsden to the devil. Um, they both are still in prison, even though they've been in the news for parole, um, for their parole hearings, but they are in prison due to lack of evidence, and Murphy recanted her testimony um, saying that the DA coerced her at the time to testify. Um, Likely story. Yeah. Well, and that's one of the things that I'm finding when I was reading a lot of these articles was, you know, they're going back. These people are convicted on so little evidence because of the witch hunt that was kind of happening at the time where people were so scared, especially about the next one I'm going to talk about. This poor family never gets justice for this these two children. Um, or for their children. They're grown adults when this happens. Um, but it, it's it's a witch hunt. It's a political witch hunt. And they go after people that are on the outskirts of society. And it's, it's bad. So the next one I want to talk about is what happens in Childress, Texas. Um, I'm going to say this before I start. This is a huge political story. And... This poor family never really gets justice for either one of their children. And I've listened to this story countless times with different podcasts that I listen to. It's a very, very interesting story. And this mother just wants justice for her two kids. Just, she just wants justice for her kids and find out what actually happens. Um, so on a summer evening in 1988, the body of local teenager Tate Rowland is found hanging from a tree spinning counterclockwise. Um, Tate was known as one of the town's troublemakers. He was known for driving fast um, through town with his truck. He had an on-again, off-again relationship with his girlfriend, Karen Heckler. Um, she was the daughter of a prominent farmer. Her family complained more than once to police on how Karen would try to break up with Tate, only for him to harass her. So it was like this very much like Romeo and Juliet type <laughs> relationship. Um... She eventually, Karen does eventually press charges against him one night when he showed up at her work and tried to choke her over the counter um, where she was working. Uh, after this, he goes to live with uh, his uncle in Louisiana where they're told to stay away from each other and they do for about a year. 
uh, Tate comes back and finds out that Karen's married another man. And this, if this upsets him, we never really know. Um, cause not long after he comes back into town is when he is found hanged. Um, Tate is last seen, um, in the United supermarket parking lot. He had made plans to meet up with some girls to help coach their softball game and to meet up with a friend named Chad to drink some beers. Um, Chad was the one who actually runs to his parents' house and tells them that he's hanging from a tree. Um, Chad was a new kid in town. Um, him and Tate were hanging out and Tate told him that he was going to hang himself and how he wanted his funeral. Chad thought he was joking. He goes to throw his beer can away and next thing he knows, Tate's in the tree. And the local hanging tree of the town. So in most southern towns, there's a hanging tree where they would string people up. Um, I was like, there probably was at one point. I don't, I'm pretty sure there's not anymore. Not anymore, but in the 1980s, there still was. Um, Chats changes his story twice because they find on Tate's neck, there's two rope burns, one on the lower part of his neck and then one where they find the rope under his neck um and chad changes his story saying that when he originally goes tate goes to hang himself the first rope breaks so that's why there's one and then the other from where he is successful um so at first sounds kind of sus huh sounds kind of sus yeah well at first it's ruled a suicide because of the eyewitnesses you know saying that they saw him do this um but his family says that they couldn't imagine him taking his own life yes he was kind of down in the dumps because of his girlfriend or his ex-girlfriend being married but they didn't think that he would like do this um then a couple years later may of 91 his oldest sister is found face dead or found dead face down in bed they find out that she died due to choking on her own vomit um, but around this time, rumor starts to circulate around town that Tate had been murdered by a satanic cult that was living in the middle of town. According to the rumor, there was 10 to 12, sometimes up to 24 people, depending on what rumor you listen to, um, that were present in the town that were at the hanging tree that night to sacrifice Tate. And then they murdered his sister, Terry, because she found out too much about the cult. Um, and... As, like always, everyone starts seeing those normal cult things, people in robes, um, mutilated animals, stone altars, all the weird stuff that normally happens. Um, This, I had to write this because I thought this was extremely weird. Um, More than one person reported seeing a young man rip pages out of the Bible, eat them, while foaming at the mouth. (laughs) <laughs> i mean when when i uh you know i have acid reflux uh i generally just eat pages from the bible and foam at the mouth and it fixes the problem so maybe that's what he was doing maybe? i'm not sure acid reflux is a serious issue guys oh <sighs> fucking hate acid reflux i turned like 28 and started getting acid reflux it's stupid I mean, it's just, as soon as you turn 30, your whole body just falls apart. Oh, so. don't even get me started. I pulled something in my back. <laughs> like, and it, like, I have a family member who's a massage therapist. So she's, like, working on getting my nerve back in place. But it's, like, going from mm-hmm. basically my left hip down to my knee. Not a pleasant experience. Um... Seriously, I never believed any of that, but I seriously turned 30 and my whole body started falling apart. <laughs> uh, I tell people that all the time. I'm just like, guys, you, you, you're ready for this, you're ready for that. When you, As soon as you hit 30, your body just shuts down. Seriously. For real. Not lying. Um, and apparently it gets worse at 40 and 50. Oh, so. don't. Mm-hmm. God. Um, yeah. Whew. Um, there was also another rumor going around at the time that they were searching for a blonde child to sacrifice. It. Sacrifice. Um, so because did of all, they find one? Huh? They wanted that. I said, did they find one? No, I don't think so. Um, okay. There were because of all like all the weird coincidences that were happening. 
the sheriff reopens the case and exhumes the bodies. Um, they bring in a satanic cult expert to talk to the town on how to spot spot (laughs) satanic cult worshipers. Um, The state of Texas eventually gets what they call a cult cop to go out to most counties and be a part of the um, police departments in certain counties. Um, And they eventually, like, send send out handouts to people um, to determine, like, like a step-by-step guide (laughs) to determine if the killing was actually the result of um, an occult ritual. And I find that this happens so dumb in a lot of places. We're going to talk about um, the last one we're going to talk about is um, actually happens in Italy and the same thing happens. Like, well, you know, they, uh, it kind of branches out because like, you know, with the witch hunts and the Malik's Marikar and, it kind of just all branches out from that. Yeah. For real. But it's it's so interesting to me how gullible people are. And it honestly might be why I'm on like this whole like true crime kick of reading all this true crime. Because people, it is astonishing to me, to me how dumb people can be to believe things. Yep. To believe things. It, anyway. Um, they eventually do put together a grand jury to hear evidence of the murders of, of Tate and Terry. Um, however, some people actually see through the bullshit and tell people that this is a modern day witch hunt. You cannot believe all this stuff. It's gossip. So you do have a lot of people um, just going, hey, this is bullshit. Um A couple days after Tate's funeral, the cops are given a tip by a high school student about a quarter mile um, from where they found him on the tree. They found a a cow skull lodged in a tree with looked like a stone altar underneath it. There's also a very mysterious woman um, that shows up at his funeral. Um, Other nights, cops find someone standing at Tate's gravestone, just kind of standing there in the dark. Um... They, another night, they find a burning cross and a sacrificed dog. The family never really figures out what happens. Eventually, somebody does get convicted of the case. Um, but the family has to go through so many loopholes, so many jumps. Because I want to say... Let me Google this real quick. Because I want to say... I can't remember what this person looked like, but, um, yeah, maybe it'll show me a picture. I want a picture of the kid. Okay. Well, I can't find a picture of this person, so I don't know what they looked like. But, anyway, the family has to go through a lot of hoops to eventually figure out kind of what happens. Um, but that, yeah, that one's rather interesting. Um, so the next one we're going to talk about is James, uh, Mark James Kilroy. Um, so he's a student at the University of Texas at Austin. He was, um, on South Pedre Island uh, with his friends during spring break in 1989 when he was last seen. Um, and some people thought he got kidnapped and taken to the city of Mac. Madam Moros. It's literally a city. I have no idea. Right across the borders in Mexico. Um. And yeah, they think he's he's been kidnapped and taken into Mexico. Um, Sarah Aldre, Aldretti. Um, she went to Texas Southmost College where she played soccer and she was a cheerleader but little did people know she was living a double life um by night when she would return to her parents home she would lock herself in a room and pray to satan and at her blood-covered altar um and she becomes of course she did (laughs) she becomes part of what the mexican media call the narco satanists um i know exactly what you're talking about so actually this group is horrifically gruesome um so in the 1980s sarah meets the charismatic leader adolfo 
Constanto. Um, he was a fortune teller and a gifter that turned into an occult leader. Um, he turns her onto black magic and witchcraft in a satanic gumbo. I had to take that from an article. Because um, I was like, what the fuck? Um, but he introduces her to a mixture of Aztec warrior rituals and Pablo Mayombre? Um, B? Um, but he um, initiates her into the call and dubs her La Madrina, which is the godmother. Um, mm-hmm. Later, cop- cops would say that she eventually became more bloodthirsty than him. Um, but they basically would target drug dealers. They would steal their dope and push it across the border. Um, he would tell his followers that the blood sacrifices would grant them immunity from law enforcement for the drug smuggling. They had a warehouse in yep. Matamoros where they would torture and kill their victims. It would said that Sarah actually helped them sometimes lure the victims to the warehouse. Um, by 1989, the Mexican authorities started to notice something was up and then um, Mark Kilroy disappearing changed everything because he was an American citizen. So, um, Sarah told members that she needed a white American male as a sacrifice. So they found Mark, kidnapped him, took him to a remote ranch where he was sexually assaulted, tortured, and then killed. Um, it didn't take long for the cops, the cops find the ranch, but by then the cult had moved on. Um, in May of 1989, they got a tip of kind of where the cult was and it led to an eventual shootout where, um, Aldelfo... The cult leader um, is, he commits suicide? Mm, I wouldn't say suicide. He asks someone to shoot him, and they do. Um, That's still suicide. um, But they took Sarah into custody, and she was sentenced to 45 years in prison in Mexico. And then eventually, when that sentence is up, she will be um, extradited into the U.S. and tried there. All right. So the last two we're going to talk about is a little bit more recent. Um... This first one happened in 2014. Um, Miranda Barber was charged with the murder of Troy Lafirna. This happened in Pennsylvania, by the way. Um, Apparently, um, Miranda and her husband met Troy through Craigslist. Um, They told him that he was meeting... That she was 16 and he agreed to pay $100 for sex. Um, and yeah, so they obviously made up and they kill him and her husband actually joins her. So the article that I found was from Daily Item um, and during her interview she uh, confirms that she's killed over 22 people. She claims that Troy was her first her husband's first victim. Um, she claims that she's killed in all these different states, like Alaska. Um, but she claims that she joined a satanic cult when she was 13. She witnessed the cult leader shoot a man in the head for owing him money. Um, she only kills bad people and feels no remorse in killing them. So the fact that Troy was weeding... Yeah, I mean, call me old, call me old-fashioned, but I don't see an issue with killing sexual predators. I don't either. I don't either, but I also didn't look up the state, the um, age of consent in the state of Pennsylvania. So, well, well, so most states, most states, uh, the age is six, 16. six, 15 to 16. Yeah. Uh, but the thing there, though, is that there's also the Romeo and Juliet law, yeah. which states that you have that the partners have to be with or everyone involved has to be within uh, three years of each other. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a whole other thing. But I also don't know if this is just what she's saying so that we sympathize with her or if they actually, like, lured him saying that she was 16. Um, She also knows that if she's ever released from jail, um, she will keep killing people. She knows that she has something bad inside her and the cult that she was indoctrinated in kind of brought it out. Likely story. That was 2014. And I'm like, "Mm mm-hmm. Um... So the last we're going to talk about that I found that was, like, major was, um, it actually happens in Italy. 
Um, Beasts of Satan was a heavy metal collective and a satanic cult from 1998 to 2004. The group is charged with killing two teenagers and burying a 27-year-old woman alive. Um, so basically, yes, the satanic panic's kind of calming down here in the U.S. In Europe, it's doing the exact opposite. We're everyone. Well, it started to calm down. We're starting to get like a huge uptake on it again yeah. because of Probably. crazy. <laughs> Well, it's like crazy religious fanatics of a particular type, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, but like, yeah, as it was kind of coming down, it was kind of going up in Europe. Um, and just like in Italy, it, it revolved around pedophilia. Um, but they noticed that something grow, something was much darker growing in Milan. Um, and it all started when Andrea and Andre, Andre Val Bulp, um, was arrested for the murder of his ex-girlfriend. While he was being interrogated, he confessed to two more murders that he had participated in six years prior when he was part of the cult known as Beasts of Satan. He claimed that he killed two teenagers, Fabio Tolles and Shira. Mar Marno um, and a drug fueled ritual sacrifice. Um, so the group was a band and it also was this cult. So you had music members, but you also had cult members, and not all the members were, were musicians. Fabio was a bassist in the band, his girlfriend was just there. Marino, because I don't know how to pronounce her first name. Um, but they would meet up <laughs> at this pub called Midnight Pub in Milan, which was kind of like the epicenter for the heavy metal scene at the time. Um, the night in question is January 17th, 1998. Um, at some point, Andre lures the two teens away from the pub. He drives them 30 miles northwest of the city. Um, there they form a circle and obviously start taking more drugs and drinking more alcohol. Um, some people say that, um, Andre saw Fabio as a threat and he wanted to teach him a lesson. Um, other people say that they killed them because... Marino, the female, the girlfriend, looked like the Virgin Mary. So who knows? Um, but basically, Marino was stabbed through the heart, um, and Fabio was beaten with a hammer um, because he actually tries to save his girlfriend. So he is beaten savagely. Um, once they're dead, according to one account, they shove chestnut leaves down their throats dip a cigarette into their blood, smoke it, and declare they are now zombies. Don't know where that comes from. Um, they then... I have no idea. I don't... Sounds to me like they've watched about 16 too many horror movies. Yeah. Um, they then throw the bodies into a pit and they walk away. Um, for six years, Italian investigators just simply think that the lovers just ran away. Um... But Fabio's father, Michael, is like, this isn't what happened. Um, and because the police won't get involved, he kind of does his own search. Um, he gets heavily into the heavy metal scene. He meets all their friends. He even meets Andre and his other friend that is involved in this murder. Um, he meets both of them at one point, and unbeknownst to that, him... That's who killed his son. So he meets everybody. Um, and then what causes all this to come to light is Andre and his girlfriend at the time, Elizabeth, arrested for the murder of his ex-girlfriend, um, 27-year-old Marangula. Don't even know how to pronounce her last name. Pest... Pest um, he claims to have shot her in the neck. And when that didn't kill her, he called his friend Nicola um, Saponi 
and he's actually present at the original murders. Um, they then take her to Elizabeth's parents' greenhouse, where Nicola beats her and they bury her alive. They think they, um, the police think that they targeted her because she intended to go to the police about the murder of Fabio and Moreno. Um, when Fabio's dad, Michael, hears about the arrest of Andre, he goes to the Cabinieri, which is Italian's national, Italy's national police, and literally hands over all of his files that he's collected for the last six years. Um, and they're like, they're astonished because it's an actual, like, true investigation that he's done with all these pictures and everything. Um, and when they eventually go to question Andre, he breaks. And um, he confesses, hoping that it would lead him to reduce sentence. It doesn't. Andre's given 30 years for the two murders. Nicolo, Nikolai, um, who they think is the mastermind behind it all, is given a life sentence. There's four other accomplices that they find. Um, they're given 24 to 26 years. Um, the police think the murders were satanic in origin, but the reality seems to be that Andre was a disgruntled young man who killed anyone who he perceived to slight him. So if he had a problem with anybody, no matter how small, you're out. Um, and drugs likely played a huge part um, in the murders. In 2004, Mario Maccone, Maccone, um, he accuses the cult of being connected to as many as 14 other mysterious deaths in northern Italy. Um, and Andre was released from prison in 2020. So, those are, like, the major satanic cult killing cases that I could find that weren't, um, pedophilic. Sexual ritual abuse. Yeah. Like, the satanic ritual abuse, which, as I've said earlier, that's gonna have a whole different episode. Um. Yeah. It's, it's, it's ridiculous that people are this gullible. I'm not shocked, but it's it's crazy. It's crazy to me. It's sad, honestly. It is. It really is. Um, and... And it hasn't gotten any better. Like, we live in the information age where you can literally do research online and find out all sorts of information, you know. People's entire lives are at your fingertips, and yeah. people still believe all kinds of weird cockamamie stuff because they don't want to actually do any research or look into it. Yes, yeah, and that's what's that's what's astonishing to me is we have more information at our fingertips than we've had in generations, and you still believe everything that you're told. It's okay to question things, and it's okay to do your own research on things. But I also think that because because of that, people don't realize that not all Satanists are that way. <laughs> well, most, most Satanists aren't that way. Like, yeah. And most but, pagan people aren't this way either. Like, we're not... That would be like this. saying, you know, all Christians are in favor of the Spanish Inquisition again or something like that. Yeah. Well, like, I was reading an article... Out of the out of the LA Times, where the this group was getting accused of killing like twenty seven babies, and the cops are like, we have no evidence that this ever happened. Yes, I acknowledge that the sexual abuse happened, but I'm not finding any babies, not finding any bodies of babies, nothing to indicate that anything like that happened. Like, come on, guys do some research is kind of what the cops are saying like pull your head out of the sand a little bit like or out of your ass or both in some cases both yeah both, both is good <laughs> you ready for our weekly tarot or bi-weekly tarot let's do this so which one did you pull? Four of cups. 
So I pulled the five of pentacles. Or the five of presents. Because of my deck. So. So. You want to start? I can start. Um, so keywords need poverty and um, insecurity. So when we encounter the five of pentacles, we encounter a moment of need. Some kind of setback or loss has happened in the material world and you find yourself in a state of shock and shame, making it difficult for you to even ask for help. This is not just a blow to your resources, but also a blow to your pride. You are perhaps in a state where you are losing hope, which makes it difficult for you to see opportunities that the universe may provide you. Though it may be difficult, you must trust and have faith that this is not permanent. You will find your way. How can you create more positivity in this situation? Okay. Okay, so my four of cups was actually reversed. So this is, this is going to be interesting. Uh, <laughs> so the cor four of cups reversed reflects a period of introspection and withdrawal. You are retreating into your own inner world so you can concentrate on what is integral to you uh, and what grounds you. Others may want to spend time with you or invite you out, but you'd prefer to stay in and read a good book or meditate in your sacred space. Mm -hmm. Just be careful that you don't shut off your friends and loved ones or appear disinterested in their lives. Let them know you need more alone time and that you'll reach out again uh, when you're ready to reemerge. So this is something that like weird, like I, I've talked about this briefly, I think, but this is something that's really hitting me with the, I didn't realize how much that I needed uh, to be able to have like an audiobook or music playing. Mm -hmm. uh, because it gives me one like stimuli to focus on while everything else is going on around me and especially when you work in like a factory type setting mm -hmm. is uh, you need that yeah. or at least I need that and with all the extra stimuli I want to get distracted so I like takes more effort for me to tune all that out Yeah, even with my awesome earplugs yeah uh, so I am so freaking drained mentally and physically that like by the end of the week i don't want to speak or interact with anyone because i just i can't yeah yeah so i am very much just like withdrawing back into myself because it's i i need it like i mentally need it yeah oh yeah so yeah so what do you think the two mean together um, the, the setback that you might have might be small and it's not the cause for you to keep withdrawing. If you keep withdrawing into yourself and not ask for help, it's, it's okay to ask for help. Um, you might miss an opportunity and to not shut everybody out even though you feel like you're getting set back a little bit right things which i feel like is me more just because of all the chaos i've got going on and asking like my no i think it so go ahead no it's just my husband and i we've kind of really sat down and hunkered down so that way i can quit and having to heavily rely on one person is a lot for me. I've been independent for, I've been misindependent for so long that having to really look at a budget and really, really stick to this budget for him and I. And um, the closer I get to the wedding, the more I feel myself wanting to stay home and listen to something and disappear, especially with... Yeah everything going on with my family, I don't, I don't want to interact. 
I've got way too much stuff going on and a lot of it takes a lot of my energy and I don't think people people and you know how I am out in public like if if I'm connected to you I'm very I'm a very extroverted person um but in a new setting I'm a very closed off quiet person and it working two jobs and we just got a new manager and knowing that this manager is going to be a not so nice person from what I've heard of this person gonna try and give this person the benefit of the doubt but it's not looking good (laughs) so it's just like I'm I'm exiting out faster than I want to exit out which is fine but like I was, we were saying before we started recording, like I've got a lot left of the wedding to do and I need to be able to do that. But I also need to be present in yeah. everything that's going on and retreating into my bubble is not necessarily what's gonna fix that. <laughs> Even though it feels nice <laughs> to be in my yeah. bubble and like not leave my bubble. <laughs> so... Yeah. Where me, on the other hand, I kind of definitely need that right now. Like, I need. And it sucks because, I mean, I can, you know, friends and everything else, I could see them getting frustrated or, like, feels like I'm pulling away from them because I feel like I'm pulling away from them. But the reality is, is that it's not me pulling away from them. It's me making sure I don't completely break down mentally and physically. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the beauty. I think that's one of the beauties of our friendship is we are two introverted people. And mm-hmm. I've always seen those memes of like, you always have that one friendship where you pick up exactly where you left off the moment that you meet that person again. And it's like, that's you and I. We are two very introverted people yep. that re- go back into our bubbles, take no offense when the other one's not mentally there sometimes because we both know how we need space and it's hard for other people to to get that because they think that you're being rude and it's like no i have to do this for my own mental well-being or i'm not going to be okay in yeah because i mean there's days that i literally can't even people yeah and everyone's just like what you're so bubbly and i'm like that's because i like you if I don't like you and I don't want to be around you, I make it very known. Like, I'm quiet, closed off, and I'm short. Get out of my space. I don't want you there. And I'm... And you are pretty short. I am. Well, and also... <laughs> yeah, I am. I run into this problem daily at my first job because I'm convinced they think we're all, like, seven foot. Um, because I'm... I work in a major grocery retailer. Um... But it's majority of my day I spend by myself. So I don't have... And it's a lot of, like, small talk during my day. I get a lot of that. No, it's gonna be hot. How's the weather? How's your mom? (laughs) Like, that's the majority of my day. So to have, like, an actual, like, intellectual conversation with someone is actually very rare. How about those insert random sports team here? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's not really how it goes during my day. But it's yeah. it's very rare when you get someone. I've got a couple other introverted people that I am friends with. And I'm like, that's just how they are. That's how I am. Like, and everyone's just like, well, that's rude. I'm like, it's not rude. It's just how we are. We always have to conform to your extroverted world, and you never have to conform to my introverted world. How about you conform right. to my fucking world? You did for COVID. It was yeah. absolutely beautiful, wasn't it? Well, yeah, the world healed. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> like, hmm. Shocker. Not saying there's anything wrong with extroverts, but guys, you gotta. You know, give us our time, too. Mm-hmm. It's not seen as rude. We're not being rude or mean. It's just you have... Your battery is charged with other people. Our batteries are charged by being by ourselves. 
and doing what makes us happy, whatever that is. Yep. Whatever that is. But I think that's all we have for this episode. Sounds good. Uh, don't forget to like, rate, review, subscribe, recommend. Tell a friend. Tell your all the things. And so you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and the U above the tube. Um, if you have a book recommendation, if you feel like you have a book that one of us would like, or a topic recommendation, you can email us at thewaverdragons at gmail.com. Yeah, we only have. If we don't get back to you, it's entirely Kelsey's fault. Oh, shut up! I'm the one that does. Even though I'm the one that does the email email stuff, (laughs) I'm blaming her for it. (laughs) (laughs) That's fine. That's fine. Um, You're like fuck you. (laughs) Whatever. I don't care. Um, We only have a couple more episodes left in the Satanic Panic miniseries that we're doing. The next episode, we're going to be talking about media representation, or no. Mental health. Now that we did that was last episode. Mental health. That next is mental health. And how the mental health yep. systems kind of changed during that time of the satanic panic. And how it's still crap. Yep, it's still crap. That that's my episode, so I'm anyone who knows me <laughs> in any way, shape, or form knows how serious I am about mental health and how important it is. So mm-hmm. uh be warned. I will be using very strong language yep. and I will be getting very angry about <laughs> yeah. it. I'm starting to get angry just thinking about it now. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mental health is something I'm very passionate about uh, for a number of reasons. Yes. Uh, for, for those of you who don't know, uh, I, I've had multiple family members kill themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, close to being my brother yep. a few years back. Uh, so, yeah, no, it's it's something I take very, very seriously and I'm extremely passionate about. So, you will get to hear, uh, and I, I hate people misusing mental health as, and like using it as an excuse or a crutch or whatever, but I also ha- hate that, you know, we live in a country that does not take things like that seriously. Uh, and especially like men's mental health gets yes. completely ignored and swept under the rug. But I'm not going to get into that rant now. Uh, <laughs> Kelsey just got me fired up for no reason. Uh, but anyways, <laughs> so we'll be talking about that. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you for joining us. And as always, I'm Kelsey. <laughs> and I'm Johnny. Bye. Bye.